right. Osaka, Japan, 1989. It's the height of the Japanese global economy, a time of excess and hedonism that they'd never seen and never would see again. I'm 20 years old and I'm high on shabu. It's a designer drug, also known as speed or ice. It's crisp and clean like delicate shards of glass. I'd only been smoking it for a couple of times, and I was still blissfully unaware of its toxic side effects. The first time I smoked it, I felt like I'd blasted into space. My palms dampened, time sped up. My heart raced as if it would implode or explode, but in the best of ways. I didn't know how I'd been hostessing without it all that time. I'd arrived in Osaka nine months before. I was streetwise, but naive to the bigger ways of the world. I had assumed that I'd be handing out menus and seating customers at some fancy restaurant, because in my experience, that's what a hostess did. I soon found out that in Japan, hostessing meant something else entirely. <laughs> so being blonde and blue-eyed and 19 at the time when I arrived, I was quickly scooped up and brought into the Mizu Shobai, the floating world or the ethereal world of Japanese clubs and bars. I was paid over $1,000 per shift to entertain some of the country's most wealthy and powerful men. Among them were the Yakuza, the feared and revered Japanese crime syndicate. These guys would roll into the club with their bodyguards like a tsunami. They wore hundreds of thousands of dollars of gemstone-encrusted rings, Rolexes. They had missing fingers and punch perms. You didn't mess with these guys. So sitting with these men night after night with the millions of yen that they offered, the money, the power they flew around, threw around, it started to turn my morals upside down. I lost sense of what was right and what was wrong. And that's where the shabu, that's where the drugs helped. Because when I was high, I was able to distance myself from what I was doing. So one night after work, my boyfriend, I had a boyfriend, Yuval, he was an Israeli army sergeant turned street vendor. <laughs> he could navigate the Golan Heights by starlight. He'd nursed me through a week of dengue fever in Bangkok. He was my whole world. I'd spotted him one night. He was selling counterfeit Louis Vuitton bags. <laughs> and these little wind-up panda bears. So I stalked him for a week. Then I introduced myself at a nightclub and we were together ever since. Now Yuval had nothing against smoking a little hash with me at night, but I hadn't told him about the shabu. So I get in, he picked me up in his Toyota delivery van. So I get into the van, he kisses me on the cheek and says, Motek, you look stressed tonight. And I was like, you know, it's this job, it's doing my head in. I'm clenching my teeth, I'm trying not to let him see how high I am. 
And he's like, you know what? Just keep your eye on the prize. It's not much longer. Just make the money. Then we'll be in Thailand. We'll be good as gold. Okay, I said, fine. And I said, Yuval, I've heard about a place called Kamagasaki. Apparently, it's some slum. It's one of the biggest slums in Asia. I'd really like to go see if it exists. It's supposed to be not far from here. And he looks at me sideways, dressed like that. I mean, he was right, like a knee-length silver fox fur coat and stilettos and diamond earrings are probably not the best choice of outfit to go roaming around a slum in. But I didn't care. I was like, I'm high, let's go. So we get there, and Kamagasaki, it's like this sprawling, mythical creature. It's like tent tentacling in all directions. It's as if it's growing bigger and stronger with each personal defeat. It wasn't just a slum. It was a city within itself, a city within a city. So we started walking, me in my heels, Yuval in his converse, and there was rows and rows of makeshift cardboard shelters, grimy faces peered out. There was urine, um, derelicts in urine-strained con construction jodhpurs and split-toed tabby socks. We walked, but nobody paid us much attention, and I didn't really... I wasn't scared at all. I almost felt more comfortable there. So we walked for a while, and we came across an area that looked like a bar or a gambling center. There was crooked sheets of plywood resting on upturned metal containers. There was a rusted-out old oil drum with flames shooting out of it. And there was a group of burakamin. They are the untouchables of Japan, like the Indian untouchables. And they were drinking sake, playing cards, warming their hands over the flame. It was cold out. So one of them motioned for us to sit down. And we did. We sat on some upturned plastic containers. And he gave us some sake. We said, aligato. And I looked around, and I wondered how many of those people had lost themselves to drugs. And I thought about the juxtaposition between that hostessing life and the life I wanted and the life these people led. And my head began to spin and I felt sick. And I just, I looked at Yuval and I said, Yuval, I have to tell you, you know, I've, I've been smoking this drug. I've been doing shabu. And he says, well, God, I've heard that stuff is super addictive. Like... It's not good. And I was like, I know. I promise I'm not going to do any more. I promise. I'll, I'll get, I, I'm not going to do it again. And then he looks at me and he's like, do you have any on you now? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, yeah, I have some hidden in the lid of my lipstick, but I don't want to tell him, A, because he's supposed to be my sergeant army protector man. He's supposed to be the guy leading me out of darkness into the light. But at the same time, I kind of wouldn't mind him to feel that euphoria that I had the first time I smoked it. So I'm like, well, I have a little bit left, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll flush it as soon as I get home. I promise. So he holds out his hand, and I give it to him. What am I going to do? And he puts it in his pocket, and I look around, and I'm just too far gone. 
and I just put my head on his shoulder and I closed my eyes and I wished that we could just go back to the beginning, back to when we first met, when hash bongs and late night trips to the pastry store were our only vice. And that's the end. Thanks.